What is up, everybody? Uh, it's uh, college football again. Big week uh, yesterday. This is Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean. I am not here with Ian Gibson tonight. Um, we may not be able to have Ian for the recap show. I don't know. We may work something out, but uh, at least we have some kind of recap show. And I like to do the recap show um, on Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, just to keep a standard along with the Wednesday 8 p.m. show as well, because just get, you know, more followers that way. You know, if you're constantly putting the show out at the exact same time, there's going to be more people out there. It's not working out right now with having Ian on on Sundays, but we'll make do, and uh, hopefully, you know, in the future we can get that going. Um, you know, I'm not going to hold it against him. He's got other things going on, so, you know, you know, I'm not going to, uh, you know, be a dick about it. It just is what it is. But I'm just letting you guys know. But, you know, he'll be here throughout the year uh, for the preview shows every Wednesdays, uh, hopefully. So uh, with that being said, again, my name is Chris McLean. I'm the host of the show. You can reach us at haterradio.com for all of our articles, which we had a uh, article on uh, uh, the, the, the game, the Florida-Tennessee game with uh, talking about just a little bit about the direction of where we were going with Billy Napier. Um, it looks like as of right now, it seems to be going in the right direction. We'll get into that more as we go on into the show. But, uh, you know, uh, the article did pretty well. Um, you know, the, we've getting a lot of good views on, uh, on YouTube. So we're doing quite well there. We're pretty happy with how things are going. Um, so uh, as far as the show is, we're, we're all about college football. We do a recap show on the Sunday um, after all the games, and then we do a preview show on uh, the Wednesday before the games happen the following weekend. So with that being said, let's do the recap show. Uh, you know, the teams we follow, we follow Florida Gators, we follow USF Bulls, we follow UCLA Bruins, and we follow USC Trojans. So USC was off this week. But first and foremost, I want to talk about the, the biggest game of the week, which was the Florida Gators and uh, the Tennessee Volunteers. So huge game, uh, just a tremendous atmosphere at the Swamp. I wish I was there. I was uh, talking about going uh, for a little while, but I decided against it. The reason being, the last time I went to a Tennessee game, which was in 2003, yes, that 2003, the last time they – uh, Tennessee has won in the swamp. And so I was like, you know what? I haven't gone back since then, and I've had opportunities to go, and I just decided not to. And this time I definitely had an opportunity to go, and I decided not to as well with the streak in mind. So as that going forward, I will not go to a Tennessee-Florida game until Tennessee finally beats Florida. I will let the streak continue until I die if I have to, <laughs> because I will rather see Florida continue to win in this series at home against Tennessee. And if it means me not going to the game, so be it. I will do my part. Uh, with that being said, just a tremendous game. I, um, you know, the first half was just a barnstorming. Like, you know, they, they uh, missed that field goal to begin the, the, the first drive. And it was a good drive. Trey Wilson looked great. He got hurt at the end of the drive. Looks like something that he might be fine with, but it looked like it could have been worse because he 
just it looked bad, but he was held out the rest of the game. But um, the run game was just oh man, it was just uh, a tremendous showing by both uh, uh, Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne. Uh, but Etienne obviously went off. He had over 175 yards, a TD, and just a massive run that started the scoring for Florida that put them, you know, on pace. And they just kept scoring in that first half. And Tennessee really couldn't keep pace at all. And so, uh, you know, Florida went out to that lead. Um, you know, the defense kept them in check. They had one good drive to begin the game and then kind of stalled the rest of the first half, largely to do with Florida's defense, uh, keeping the run game in check. Uh, they were, you know, plugging holes. Scooby Williams had a great game. Shamar James had a great game. Uh, the D-line was tremendous. Uh, a lot of pressure on Milton all game long. Princely was amazing. Uh, Cam Jackson had a really good game. Banks, uh, just Sap. I mean, so many guys just did their job tremendously and uh, put forth such a great effort that, you know, it it made the difference. Uh, DBs had an okay game. I know that a couple of times uh, the uh, Tennessee receivers got downfield and had some big receptions. But besides that, honestly, they they did their jobs. Um you know, the big interception there in the in the second quarter that, you know, was not only just because I heard Kirk Kirby Curb Street say it was a it was like a punt. Well, it would have been a punt if it was just returned a few yards, but uh the Devin Moore returned it almost to the 20 and then tacked on with a, a, a foul, a personal foul as well, that got it into first and goal situation. And you know, Florida was able to capitalize and score right there. And the game was just at that point, by halftime, it was 26 to 7. Um, Mertz had some issues with uh, a laceration to, I believe, his right hand, and then some issues with his left hand. So he was struggling with his, uh, you know, some injuries there. And they limited the passing game in the second half. You know, the Tennessee defense stepped up a little bit there to keep them in the game. Um, but, uh, you know, the play calling by Florida was definitely conservative. It worked out. You know, they they did have the one scoring drive where they got the field goal um, because it kept it at three scores. I think even a touchdown there probably keeps it at three scores anyway. So it wasn't that big of a deal of not getting the touchdown there. I think it went from 16 to 19. So if it goes 16 to, I believe, 23, I think that's still technically three scores. Yeah, because that's still, what is it? That's two two-point conversions in there and a touchdown. So it's still technically within the math that it would be three scores regardless. So three scores, three possessions, you know, the field goal was huge. It really did come in handy because Tennessee did score later and then they had the ball with about two minutes left and, uh, you know, was able to get further down and uh, Florida got the stop. You know, a lot of stops by Florida in this game. It was tremendous uh, considering the last couple of years where they have struggled to um, get off the field on third downs. And that has been their biggest problem is struggling to get off on third downs and not being able to, um, you know, uh, force the other team uh, to the sideline. And, you know, I, I thought, you know, it's a tremendous hand by Austin Armstrong by, uh, being able to uh, get these guys up to task because 
you know, obviously uh, Todd Grantham did a terrible job of getting this team organized and was just a, a schmuck on wheels, basically. And, you know, and it sucks because it's like there are plenty of guys that have gone through the last couple of years at Florida on defense that have been plenty talented. And, you know, if they just had the right coaching while they were here, um, maybe they could have, you know, done some things while here. Some of them have been in the NFL now doing well. So it's it really is kind of remarkable that uh, that 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 they underutilize the talent that they did the last couple of years. But, you know, that's goes to saying with how bad Todd Grantham was as a coach. Um, yeah. On third downs, uh, Florida kept to him about. Uh, about 50%, so it was 8 of 15. Not not amazing, but still did pretty well. And then on the ones that they didn't convert that were shorter, um, they t- they kept them to 0 and 3 on fourth down, which is huge. So it's technically, um, what is it? I would say an additional stops. So it's, it, it's a good percentage regardless. Um, they got off the field more than they uh, they normally have. And, um, you know, keeping their run game to only 100 yards was a huge, huge plus in this game. I, I'm blown away with the defense, and I'm very happy to see what they've done, especially in these first two games, because I think, you know, uh, out of anyone in the country, I don't think anyone else has uh, has played two top 15 teams and won on the road as well. So I think by far Florida's had the hardest schedule. And to come out of it only one and one, is really good, you know, like it could have been 0 and 2, but no, they're 1 and 1 and now they have the rest of the season to play for them. This is a huge leg up in the SEC East. Um, you know, I'm not going to say that they definitely have a chance at the SEC East, but they definitely are better suited now after winning this game than they were before this game considering they had lost to Utah and all the momentum was going against them, you know, uh, a lot of people were in the media especially were uh, arguing that Billy was on the hot seat allegedly, but I'm like, come on, man, this wasn't even two years in. This is like a, a year and two games into the uh, his tenure, and we're already saying he should be fired. I never said that. The only thing I've had issues with is maybe the play calling, which I did see in this game. You know, uh, even on that one play, uh, so one of the sacks that Mertz got sacked, um, it was the same, like, you know, uh, two tights, and two receivers out and doing a crossing pattern. And it's like, it's not fooling anyone. I, I I don't know why they continue to do it. I know it was off of play action. So maybe they're hoping to get safety to safety safeties to bite there, but like the tight ends are not running routes. So it's really just two guys going on on routes. It's not really that like imaginative. Nothing's really like going on there. I don't know. It continues to be a staple of the offense. Maybe they should look at that and, you know, change that up. But, uh, I love the run game uh, game planning and what they've been able to scheme up. You know, obviously Trevor Etienne is killing it right now and he's doing such a tremendous job. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited as, as how far, uh, uh, how well this run game is done. You know, the first game against Utah was a struggle. Uh, they only put up like, I think like 30 yards in that first game. And this game, they just exploded. They went out for uh, 183 yards on like 43 attempts it was a 4.3 average which is which is pretty damn good and um you know they limited penalties only five penalties and no turnovers huge like that honestly was probably the difference in the game because 
the one turnover that uh, Tennessee had, you know, like I said, Florida converted on and got a touchdown. So, um, and time of possession, because they had the ball so much in the first half, Tennessee barely had the ball. You know, uh, Florida ends up with a 37-minute uh, to 22-minute uh, 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 advantage in the time of possession. Okay, so just great game. Florida wins. Uh, you know, recruiting is obviously doing well. And even last night, um, a, a young running back in the 2025 class committed, and he's a he's a stud from uh, Florida. And, uh, you know, look, it, it's building on itself. There's a lot to be happy about. Um, I know, obviously, the play calling is a struggle. And special teams was an issue again. Um, I think they saw on one of the field goal blocks, there was only 10 guys. And there was also uh, a field goal that um, uh, Mihalik missed and an extra point that he got blocked. They ended up putting Trace Mack in. He hit his field goals in extra points. So maybe Trace Mack is going to be the guy going forward. I was very upset with Mihalik the last couple of games because, you know, it's it's really – he is the short distance field goal kicker because he was more accurate in those shorter field goals. He had been missing. He, I think he went one for two since this, or one for three since the start of the season. And it just, you know, um, it, it needed to change. I'm glad Billy saw that and decided to do it. He pulled the trigger and Trey obviously came through in the clutch that, like I said, that field goal was huge because that puts it at a three score game. If they had scored, if they had not hit that field goal, and then uh, Tennessee scores and gets it into a one-score game. Maybe there's a lot more game pressure there on Florida, and you know you never know what happens in there in that case. So they put the pressure on Tennessee by hitting that field goal and making a difference there. Okay, so uh, moving forward, I'm going to talk about the Alabama USF game. Uh, just a crazy game, you know. Uh, it was very low scoring, which is a shame because I wish the offense had showed up, but it was really a slog. Um, it was a rain game. There was a delay. Uh, you know, they, they, the defense played amazing. You know, they got it to halftime at 3-3, and they kept it a one-score game into the well into the fourth quarter. I think there was six minutes left when um, Byram had the, uh, the interception when they were on the 40 uh, heading towards uh, Alabama's end zone. And it's, you know, it's a shame that they couldn't get any, they couldn't convert on any of these good field positions or any, anytime they got inside like the 30, um, you know, they, they went for it on fourth several times and didn't make it, I believe it was about five times. Um, that's what I heard. I'm not for sure. Um, but regardless, you know, I'm proud of these guys. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, Alabama is obviously, you know, a very uh, juggernaut, basically, to describe it. And they've been around for 15 years as one of the best teams, if not the best teams, the last 15 years. And they are because they've had six championships in the last 15. So no one even comes close to that. And so, you know, they they um, definitely were. Uh, you know, a challenge that uh, they they stood up admirably to to be able to come into this game and um, yeah, so they went uh, well, okay, they went two of six on fourth downs. Yeah, they did convert one late that helped them drive uh, into position uh, late in that game. But 
just a God, tough game to lose. You know, they were, you know, they were there. They were with them the entire game. And uh, they just couldn't couldn't take advantage of their uh, of their uh, their position. And, uh, you know, the defense, it's night and day from the last couple of years. Because the last couple of years, they were dead last in all of college football. And now they're, you know, they they perform admirably. And it looks great for them. You know, going forward, I'm excited about uh, where this team is going. Alex Golish is not happy with what happened. He wanted, uh, you know, he wanted them to to get the result that they, they should have gotten. But they didn't. And, you know... Going forward, this sets them up for uh, a nice run in the AAC. Let's see if they can uh, really make a difference there with, you know, the game against Rice next week. Um, they'll have other opportunities. You know, the AAC is not as good as it has been when uh, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston all left. And so now it's really ripe for the taking. You know, USF, you know, just really needs to string a couple of wins along. I know they only won one last year, but they're definitely uh, well suited to be able to put themselves in position for more wins this year. And I can see at least a six and six uh, season total after uh, what they've done so far this year. Um, but yeah, great, great job by the guys. Uh, and uh, you know, the stadium was like 65,000 people there, just tremendous atmosphere. And uh, you know, I look forward to eventually the on-campus stadium which should happen soon. And, you know, we're going to get a lot of those crowds and a lot of packed stadiums, um, you know, going forward. So it's, it's exciting times for USF. This is just the beginning. I know it's not the result that they wanted, but it uh, definitely uh, is opening the door for the future for potential, uh, um, you know, an AAC run. Okay. Moving forward, uh, UCLA, uh, dude, telling you guys if you have not watched this ucla team get ready because they play tremendous defense and uh dante moore is probably one of the most exciting freshman qbs out there i mean he's a straight stud just ridiculous and just throws dimes um you know it just very adept at running the offense um carson Steele, a stud running back for uh, UCLA after they lost Charbonneau uh, last year into the draft. So they replenished with running backs. There's some other ones. There was uh, this guy Atkins, just a looks like LeGarrette Blunt out there, which is fitting since Blunt comes from uh, um, Chip Kelly's offense at Oregon. You know, just remarkable. This team, I'm telling you, no one is talking about this team at all. They're talking about Colorado. But this is the team that you need to be talking about. Uh, UCLA is going to be a team that really comes after people. Um, the defense, that again, uh, Latu with a big interception, set up an early score. And just their defense is it, – it's hard to really calculate if it is as good as it is. I'm going to say it is good, but it's just – you have to temper it because of the, who they've played against. Coastal Carolina was a good opponent, and they held them only to 14 points. San Diego State, they kept them in check almost the whole game. Uh, North Carolina Central, obviously not a good opponent um, that uh, only scored seven late anyways. So they're keeping their numbers way low. Obviously, the opponents can temper that because you don't know how good they really are. They get a lot of opponents coming up in the next couple of weeks. 
So we'll see how truly good they are. I believe though they will be up to the task, and I, I can envision a, a 10-win, possibly 11-win season for UCLA going forward. Okay, um, going forward, next couple of games. Um, Army, UTSA, this is one of Ian's favorite teams, UTSA. He thought they were going to be a, a real star in the AAC after – uh, coming in from, I believe, Conference USA or I can't remember what conference, but they came from another conference. Now they're in the American Conference, American Athletic Conference, and uh, they played Army. Um, and dude, Army just bullied them the whole time. Uh, you know, the run, their run game looked tremendous, and they uh, they were able to uh, take advantage of certain uh, uh, play action and and passing plays to be able to uh, take it to them. Um, I'd say Army looks more like a 10-win team than UTSA. But UTSA, you know, I will say they still look pretty good. The offense uh, moved the ball, you know, and they're, they're a, a, a quick-strike offense. So they definitely had some of those plays in the, in the game. And they have the potential to do well in the AAC because, like I said, the AAC has a lot of holes there. Uh, but moving on, LSU, Mississippi State, uh, Jane Daniels, 30 of 34, just tremendous game. I keep using tremendous, amazing game. Uh, and neighbors, uh, uh, Daniels went for 30 of 34, just I think it was like 88% completion percentage or something ridiculous. Neighbors went off for like the most receiving yards ever for a LSU receiver. Just sick numbers. Um, I don't know how good Mississippi State is. They, they look like an average team. While LSU clearly looks like one of the top four teams in the SEC, clearly. And I know that game against FSU has people questioning them. I think if you really look back at that game, there were plenty of opportunities for LSU to score, and they didn't take advantage of it. And that's not to say that they're not a good team. They just had some uh, failings there. They were still able to move the ball from uh, – quite well against Florida State, and, you know, they just came up short. They were still in that game into the fourth quarter, like literally on the end of the uh, third quarter into the fourth quarter, Daniels throws an interception, and then FSU goes down and scores to go up two scores. So if they had moved the ball and tied the game, anything goes from that point. Um, but LSU, good start to the SEC schedule. Let's see how they do coming up. Obviously, a lot of SEC West – games to be had, which are uh, huge roadblocks to a good season. Uh, Penn State, Illinois. I don't know. Illinois, Illinois' offense just not very good. But Penn State did uh, force a lot of those turnovers. Um, again, uh, a lot of the picks were just terrible throws by the, the Illinois quarterback. Um, ton of field goals early for Penn State. Uh, they hang on to win. They, they win pretty comfortably. But, uh, you know, just – uh, not not anything glaring out of this game just as far as Penn State uh, continuing on their trek to end up playing uh, Ohio State at the end of the year. Okay. Um, yeah, because even uh, their, uh, their stud quarterback, Penn State, only had like 208 yards uh, passing, so it wasn't that tremendous of a game. Um, 
Kansas State, Missouri, definitely the game of the day. This is a back and forth game. Uh, Kansas State definitely is a very good team. And this is a huge win for Missouri. I still am not a big fan of Eli Drinkowitz. I think he is a clown. I think that the shit he said against um, Florida and Dan Mullen in those last couple of games uh, before Dan Mullen was fired, I really, it bothered me. You know, he did like some bullshit at the end of a half against Trask that was Bush League shit. It wasn't his fault, but his players did some Bush League shit and they almost fought because of it. Then Dan warned the, Dan Mullen wore the, the Darth Vader mask. It was on Halloween night. And then um, next year after Dan Mullen was going to get fired, everyone knew he was going to get fired. Uh, Eli Drinkowitz wears like the, 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 the hoodie and like a, a lightsaber and like makes a comment. And it's like, dude, man, fuck you, dude. Like, I'm sorry, but I'm going to say it because it was, it was low class shit. Like why do you have to kick him while he was down? Like, I don't like, I don't even like Dan Mullen anymore. He's been such a, a, a schmuck after leaving Florida and what he left recruiting wise for Florida, but still to do that, like it's come on, why would you even bother? Like, you know, he's going to get fired. Why do you have to clap back? Like it's like a low class uh, move, but anyways, um, just a, a great game. Uh, you know, the, uh, what is it? Burden for uh, Missouri, just a stud. He was a five-star and, you know, obviously proving it, two touchdowns, 114 yards. Um, you know, the game was back and forth. Like I said, you know, Missouri uh, um, had the ball last, which appeared to be the only reason someone would win is you had the ball last. And uh, their kicker kicks a 61-yarder. I think it's the longest ever in the SEC. Like, that's just ridiculous, 61 yards. I mean, that's the longest NFL, I believe, is 63 or 64 and 61 is like very close to it. And it's outdoors as well. So it's, you know, it's a hell of a long field goal. And it looked good and it could have been good from a few yards back. So he definitely has the leg. Um, just a great win for them. I still don't believe in them going forward. Um, you know, they have these three wins. And this is a huge win because this is a, uh, a top 25 team that they beat. But I don't like them in a lot of games. And uh, we'll see how they do. Okay, moving forward, um, uh, South Carolina, Georgia. Um, you know, I I don't believe in this Georgia team either. You know, they're obviously number one, um, and they were defending two-time national champions. I get that. I understand that. But at the same time, uh, they have a lot gone. I don't really love their offense. Bobo is not doesn't strike fear in most people. Um, they, you know, Beck had a fine game, but uh, I just don't I don't see them being a team that can compete with, uh, you know, a lot of the Pac-12 teams. I don't think they can compete with like a USC team. I don't think they compete with uh, a Texas team. That Texas obviously beat uh, Alabama. I don't think they can compete with um, uh, probably UCLA. I don't think they can compete with Washington because I think Michael Penix Jr. could throw all over them, just like Caleb Williams would, and just like Quinn Ewers would, and just like uh, um, uh, Dante Moore would. 
So they, yes, are good in a sense because obviously they have talent on both sides of the field. Um, but as far as like a total package, you know, the defense is good. Um, you know, I don't love South Carolina. They're kind of like an average team. They're probably like a, at best seven and five, more likely a six and six team with already two losses. So, you know, it doesn't look good for them for the rest of the year. Um, but, um, you know, I, from this game, what you can take away is Georgia is beatable. They're definitely beatable. And I have an article that I'm going to come out with um, probably Thursday discussing that a little more um, regard uh, regarding the rivals of, of Georgia and where this team now uh, is currently after these last couple of years where they've been given such an easy road into one, the SEC championship game, and then two into the playoffs. So um, we'll, I'll talk about that uh, when I release the article in the uh, next couple of days because I believe they have Auburn coming up um, as far as in their schedule. Uh, no, they have UAB, then Auburn. So I'm, it's next week. So next week I'm going to write that article. Okay, um, but not much to say about this. Just South Carolina was up, you know, moved the ball. And that was a, a, a huge difference here in this game where other times Georgia has been able to prevent teams from moving the ball, but they just couldn't uh, couldn't convert on certain things. And uh, I will say UGA's Georgia's line looked weak and weak enough to where uh, uh, South Carolina, which is not a good defense, was in their backfield. So, okay, um, uh, Ian's upset of the week. Uh, he picked Minnesota to upset North Carolina. Sorry, Ian, didn't work out. Uh, um, so, and really, only reason Minnesota was in this game early was because of two bad mistakes by uh, Drake May. Uh, he threw two bad picks. But then, you know, he recovered, and he's just a beast. Throws for over 200 yards – or sorry, 400 yards. Just a, tr a, a remarkable game. And, um, you know, they hold, they hold Minnesota to 13. I, you know, I don't think Minnesota is that great. Their offense is kind of putrid. Any SEC or ACC, uh, Big Ten West, God, Big Ten West team is going to struggle uh, offensively. It's just the only other team that's any good offensively is Purdue, and that's it. Um, but, uh, yeah, 13 points. And, you know, North Carolina wins 31-13. So, North Carolina, look out. Drake May, again, you know, up there in the Heisman standings, he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks for the rest of the year. Definitely a top five, uh, maybe top 10, definitely top 10, but maybe a top five pick in the NFL draft coming up uh, next year. Uh, talked about Alabama, USF. Uh, dude, Washington, Michigan State. I'm telling you, Michael Penix Jr., know the name. Like, this kid is a stud. Like, just – just a freak, like left-handed, smooth, like his long ball is probably the best long ball in all of college football and maybe one of the best when he gets to the NFL as well. He's very accurate with long balls, and it's just the kid's sick, man, and he just puts up huge games every week, 473 yards, four TDs. Just He got lucky in one of the plays where it was a deflection that the, his receiver caught it and went, walked in. But, you know, just 
he is putting up huge numbers. And this is why I know when other people are talking about Shador Sanders and uh, Jordan Travis, those quarterbacks are fine. You know, they have their limitations. But what we really need to be talking about, the better quarterbacks that are out there right now, Caleb Williams, uh, Drake May, Michael Penix Jr., those three. Those are the ones that are the studs. I know those other two people love to give attention to for whatever reason, but these three are the ones that stand out more than anyone. They're accurate. They're amazing at their offenses. Just uh, They're just difference makers, all three of them. They, can, they just destroy teams. They're putting up huge chunk plays. They're way better than those other two. I know those other two put up stats as well, but they're nothing like those three. And even – Bo Nix and Quinn Ewers and uh, some others. Like, I don't get why the fascination with Shador Sanders and Jordan Travis, they're just, they're, you know, Jordan Travis is okay. Uh, Shador Sanders has put up huge numbers, but he's played terrible defenses so far. Wait till he plays the USC's and the Oregon's and the UCLA's and all those other teams. It's going to be a way different game. And it's just, like the hype, you know, and I'll talk about that Colorado game in a little bit, but just such a difference here. Okay, so, um, but Washington wins 41-7 to against Michigan State, who, you know, without Mel Tucker, we'll see what happens there, but just not looking good for Michigan State. Uh, I know they're 2-1, and one, but uh, this loss did not look good. They got blown out. Um, okay, Georgia Tech, Ole Miss. Interesting game. This actually is a lot closer than the final score. Uh, Ole Miss ends up winning 48-23, but Georgia Tech was within 10 points with like six or seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. So it wasn't that far off, and uh, Haynes King throws for over 307 yards. So they were close in this game. I mean, Jackson Dart, 10 completions, 251 yards. That is freaking 25 yards <laughs> Of the completed pass. That is insanity. That is insanity. Uh, but and Jackson Dart had 136 yards on the ground. Just the kid's a freak. You know, he he he's he's got a good feel for uh Lane Kiffin's offense. So um it's definitely a team to look at. They've had some uh a good non-conference games, uh non-conference uh, opponents. So we'll see going forward where they end up actually in the SEC, it's going to be tough because LSU is a strong game. Alabama's kind of weaker than we thought, um, but uh, an A&M looks rough too. Um, I guess really the only tough opponent for Ole Miss besides LSU might be might be Auburn to say this at this point, and that really is it. So maybe Ole Miss has a good year this year. Maybe gets ten wins potentially. We'll see. Uh, so after that. Um, TCU, Houston, uh, you know, TCU rebounded from that heartbreaking loss to Colorado defense played better. They held Houston to 13 points, but I also think Houston might not be very good this year. So you have to take that with a grain of salt. Um, Oklahoma smokes Tulsa. Um, I will talk about this Florida state game because I did watch the extended highlights so basically the entire game of it. And, uh, you know, like I said, Jordan Travis only had 212 yards. 
against a, a not good BC team that struggled against Holy Cross. Uh, Castellanos played tremendously well, um, kept them in the game, had had 400 yards of offense, 95 on the ground. Um, Keon Coleman, nowhere to be found, not a single catch. He bobbled a, uh, a, a punt return that could have been costly. Um, you know, BC was in this game the entire time and, uh, you know, really got close at the end. They had a chance. They were moving the ball. Um, they were forced to punt. FSU had the ball. Looked like Boston College was going to get the stop. And then a, a, a face mask penalty uh, gave them the first down, and that was the game. So, you know, Florida State looks beatable. Georgia looks beatable. So it's like as much as you Florida fans were like, oh, this is going to be a tough schedule, all those games – on the schedule look very uh, obtainable. And I will say about the only one that doesn't look, it's probably a loss is the LSU game. That game is, I mean, LSU is good this year and it's going to be in Baton Rouge. So it's going to be a much tougher game than, uh, um, than these rest of these games. But, you know, Georgia is a neutral site and Florida state's at home. Um, Missouri at in Missouri, in Columbia, that'll be a tough game. Um, they also have uh, South Carolina on the road as well and um, Kentucky too. So there are some tough games, but they, you know, like I said, these games are beatable. Uh, these teams are beatable. Kentucky looks beatable. South Carolina does look beatable. They are tough games, but still they, as of right now, this Gator team is moving in the right uh, direction. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think Florida State is a top three team. I definitely don't have them in my my playoff picks as of right now. Um, as far as the last game I wanted to talk about, uh, well, two games real quick. Uh, Notre Dame beating Central Michigan. You know, feisty game by Central Michigan. Uh, Notre Dame wins. Um, where is this going to play? 41-17. It was like close, and then Notre Dame just put on a bunch of points to the end. Um, Sam Hartman, again, another huge game, 330 yards passing. And uh, Estime, another huge game, 176 on the ground. So setting up their huge game next week, which we'll talk about on Wednesday uh, with Ohio State in South Bend. Um, we'll look forward to that. And uh, last thing I wanted to talk about, Colorado, Colorado State. It was a great game. It lived up to the billing, you know, the stupid freaking sunglasses shit and the, you know, the Norvell coach for Colorado State, you know, you know, throwing shade, you know, using the pun against uh, Dion um, before the game and Dion getting all up in arms and giving everyone sunglasses. You know, it, it hyped up the game a little bit. You know, I thought it was going to be a blowout. I think they were a 24-point favorite. Um, you know, they should have easily won this game. But hats off to Colorado State. Stayed with them the entire game. They should have won this game. They were up um, – I think they were up 28, 28 – at least 28-20, um, maybe even 28-17, I think, at one point. And, you know, they had a chance um, – Yeah, they were up 28-17 uh, in the fourth quarter. I thought they were going to win. When they scored that touchdown, I was like, oh, this is 
this is over. But, you know, credit to Colorado to come back. They kicked that field goal, and then they tied it late with, like, 30 seconds left and get the two-point conversion. I honestly thought in the first overtime when uh, Colorado State scored, matching uh, Colorado's touchdown, I thought they should have went for two right then because extending this game uh, favored Colorado. I think if they had just put it all on the line on that one play, they had a timeout, I believe. They should have tried – you know, with the game on the line, it's, you, you give yourself, you give your team the opportunity to win the game. And I think that would have been the right call. But he doesn't kick the extra point. Uh, Colorado scores in the second overtime, gets their two-point conversion, and then uh, Colorado State failed to score. So, you know, again, temper this because Colorado ends up playing a lot of difficult teams coming up. They play Oregon soon next week. They play USC after that. They play UCLA. They play Utah. So they're going to get the gauntlet, okay? Right now, it seems all rosy. All the attention's on them. Prime is this attention hog. He loves this shit. And I get it. I understand it. It's it's part of the whole spiel. Like, you know, at this point, you know, optics are almost more important in college football than actually what the substance is because these kids – buy into the media blitz anyways and they buy into all of it and they they go to these schools because of it because it's oh i mean look they had all these like famous people there that had um game day there that had uh fox's show big noon kickoff or whatever the fuck it's called and you know there was a ton of hype for this game and it was literally an owen two or owen one colorado state team coming in to play them and Hats off to them. They have set themselves up for now getting a lot more recruits because of this. A lot of big recruits came in uh, in-house for this game. Like I said, temper it because the gauntlet is coming and they're more than likely going to lose at least four or five games. You know, great year so far, you know, after winning only one game. But uh, we'll see going forward. And, you know, Shadur Sanders is – uh, potentially can leave to the NFL this year. So we'll see. He may leave, you know, and that may put a little damper on how things go because I don't know who he has quarterback-wise coming in, and I don't think that room's that quarterback room is very good without him. And that's uh, the other worry is, like, they keep relying on Sanders. If he goes down, you know, what's going to happen to this team without him? And, you know, Hunter got hurt in this game too, and that's their star player on defense and offense. So – they're very thin on this team, like paper thin. You know, they they have some good players, but, you know, injuries would decimate this team. It would, like, it would put them on a slew of losses right away if they, they lost a bunch of people to injury. But regardless, great game. You know, it was a crazy finish and uh, storming the field, whatever. I, I don't really care. It's... People do it. I know people were making fun of Florida State last year for it, for storming the fields, for beating a six and six team. Um, I don't. It, it. It. I guess I do probably make fun of it on Twitter, but honestly, in in the long run, I don't care. On Twitter, I like just making fun of everything. That's just what I do. That's the personality of the the account for Hater Radio. But like, do I really care? I probably don't. It's not like if kids do it. I mean. 
the Florida Gators have, haven't done it in years because they have like great security to prevent it. So, you know, that's not even a reality. It's not, it's almost never going to happen because their, their cops are lined up waiting for the games to end on close ones and no one's getting down there. But uh, regardless, uh, great week of action. That is the show. My name is Chris McLean. This is Hater Radio. Check with us every uh, Sunday and Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. That is the show. It's on YouTube. It's on Facebook. And it's on uh, Twitter Live as well. So all three of those formats live. You can catch the show then again on YouTube as well. Reach us on our socials at Hater underscore Radio, radio for Twitter. Uh Instagram, uh, threads, and TikTok. For YouTube, it is at Hater Radio. For Facebook, it is Hater Radio CFB. Uh, for articles, look for them on haterradio.com. That's the show, everybody. Uh, check us uh, Wednesday and uh, have a good one. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.